Alejandro, Alex Rusiel is an executive committee level business leader that has worked in marketing, sales and general management in FMCG across Europe, Russia, Middle East and Africa. Apart from his business career, Alex is also an avid runner. He's completed a number of marathons and also a number of mountain races, for example, the Tour de Géant twice. In a time where there's a debate about work-life balance or integration in the business world, I thought Alex would be the perfect guest as he's been able to balance a great career in traditional big companies with his own family and personal goals. Apart from your career, which has brought you to an executive uh, committee level position, you're also a keen runner, I understand. Um, can you tell us and our listeners how that happened? Well, first of all, great to be here with you. Thank you Thanks for joining for us. Inviting yes. me. Look, uh, I mean, uh, I think that today uh, we live in a very, in, in a world and particularly in a business world that is very high paced, uh, that requires us to be full on, to have a full on attitude and to really give it all, uh, all of the time, right? Mm -hmm. um, travel and technology are making it easier to stay connected uh, anywhere in the world. Uh, and at the same time, the amount of information that is available to us can sometimes be overwhelming. Mm -hmm. uh, so it really becomes harder and harder to disconnect. And, and perhaps that's why we hear so much in, uh, on TV, on, uh, on, on magazines, newspapers, about the importance of, of uh, home and work balance, of personal and professional life, right? Mm -hmm. um, but I, I found that, that also when you leave the work and, and you dedicate to your, to, to your family life, yeah. uh, that in itself is also a, a, a full-time dedication process and so uh, about six years ago I came to the conclusion that that the equation that it was important to balance was actually the work family me equation mm -hmm. uh, and because it's, I think it is the me in all of us that as we as we get emerged in the in the career wheel we we, we start to to disregard it's those personal interests that we used to have growing up that, that we enjoy doing and for which we have less and less time. So, so it was about getting this balance, right? Mm -hmm. uh, as a student, I had been an active sports person. Uh, I had enjoyed many sports. Uh, and I was looking for one that, uh, that I would be able to, to, to take on on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. and, and running was kind of like the obvious choice for, for many reasons. Um, at first, it was just a few kilometers uh, in the running machine at the gym. Uh -huh. And that becomes boring eventually. There's only so much hamstering around that we can do. Yeah. Uh, and it's important to get outside, you know, and, and do some running on the streets. One very beautiful uh, sunny day in, uh, in Istanbul. Mm -hmm. uh, I was running around, along the Bosphorus and lost kind of like track of time in uh, emerging all this beautiful experience. And uh, before I knew it, I had uh, run 12 kilometers. Being a somewhat, I would say, competitive and competitive, <laughs> first of all, with myself, I, I came to the conclusion that if I could do 12 kilometers, I could do a marathon. And the next thing I knew, three days later, I had signed up for the Athens Marathon. Wow. Um, it was that crazy thing you do, hoping that is the one crazy thing that you do once in a lifetime. And it hasn't been. For me, it's become a, a new way of life, something that uh, that's become part of uh, who I am and part of what I do. Mm -hmm. And how have you managed to integrate this running part of your life, running marathons, which means a lot of preparation time into 
your work well into your life, which includes a lot of hours at work and with family, etc. I used to travel uh, over 200 days, or about 200 days a year. And so obviously when you have that kind of, of lifestyle, there are some limitations to, to the things that you can do. It was important for me to find a sport that, uh, that I could integrate in, into my daily life. I could not join a team sport, uh, for example. I mean, with that kind of schedule, it's very difficult to, to always be present for the training sessions and, mm -hmm. or even for all of the, for the match days. So it would not have been fair uh, on the team. At the same time, it's not so easy to travel with a bicycle or, or to even take swimming because uh, the, the swimming pools in the hotels are, are, are very often not much bigger than a bath. So I had to find a, a sport that was, uh, that was easy. And probably the, the easiest one of all is running because you just, at the end of the day, you, you, that, you just need a pair of trainers. And yeah. if, if you really try hard, not even that. Uh, it's something that can go in, into any uh, suitcase doesn't take much more space than it normally does so you don't even need to check it in all of a sudden and it's very easy to do anywhere and yeah in the case the only thing i really have had to do is perhaps change a little bit of my schedule i'm not my, i i was not much of a morning person but the morning was really the only time of the day that i could control that was not hijacked by meetings or dinners uh, or so on so it's mm -hmm. the, that it really belonged to myself mm -hmm. and uh and I started to get up uh, around two hours earlier every morning to, uh, to really be, be able to train properly. Mm -hmm. And this has come with uh, added advantages. You know, on the, on the one side, uh, you get to see uh, and enjoy some beautiful sunrises in, yeah. in many places around the world. And on the other, as we go into, the, as we travel and we business travel, very often, uh, we just uh, jet in, jet out, uh, and get to see the airport, and, and maybe the, the meeting room is nice. No, <laughs> um, this has allowed me to really visit some cities. And, yeah, true. Uh, if you are running eight or ten kilometers a day, uh, or even five, you can cover actually quite surprisingly uh, a lot of uh, of most of the cities in the world. Mm -hmm. And you, you can uh, try to organize your route around some of the sites uh, and then get a, a feeling for, for, for the city at a time of day when there is not a lot of uh, people, not a lot of tourists. So it is actually, actually quite enjoyable. Oh, that's great. And I know that you recently completed the Tour de Géant. Do you think that this achievement is the one that you feel proudest of outside of work? I, I would have to... To say, of course, yes, and uh, and before I perhaps explain a little bit about Tour de Gion, that would be a good idea. Yes, let me just uh, tell you a little bit about. Basically, after completing a few marathons, I started running in the mountains. Uh, I used to live in Geneva. It was difficult uh, when uh, I was in the weekends in the mountains to find flat areas to to run, mm -hmm. and I, I I kind of like slowly transferred to a sport that is now called trail running. Uh -huh. And on over time, I has evolved into uh, into trying to go further and trying to go higher rather than perhaps spending all of my energy in going faster. Mm -hmm. um, this is something that really touches one part of my character, which is uh, an adventurous spirit and a hunger to discover new things that I constantly have. Yeah. Uh, so, Tour de Gion, at the essentially is uh, is a race in the Italian Alps. 
It's been called uh, by many people one of the hardest races in the world, by some other people the hardest race in the world. It starts in the beautiful village of Courmayeur. Uh, it's the south side uh, or the south face of, of Mont Blanc. At some time in, in September, uh, the beginning of September, 900 runners stand at the start line and basically they will cover over the course of around six days, 339 kilometers climbing over 21 mountains of over 2,000 meters with a combined attitude uh, equal to going up and down Everest three and a half times. Not bad. <laughs> so essentially this is what uh, two years ago, in another moment of temporary craziness, I, I, uh, I signed myself up for. And uh, a couple of weeks ago, I completed the race uh, for, for the second time. And wow. This is something that... Uh, that is incredible. I mean, the organization gives you 150 hours to complete it. Once you start in Cormayeur, the watch or the clock never stops. So it's up to you to decide if you if you take a rest, if you sleep, if you don't. By the time that you reach Cormayeur, the last person reaches Cormayeur, about half of the 900 original entrants have had to give up, either through exhaustion or through injury. And eventually... This is something that goes far beyond being, being a race. In fact, two yeah. years ago, I approached it like a race. I just thought, oh, it'd be like a normal 100-kilometer uh, race, uh, just a little bit longer. <laughs> and it wasn't, you know. It's much more kind of a, kind of a life experience. Uh, it, makes you, it takes you to, uh, to limits that are very difficult to find. It really makes challenges you physically and, and mentally during the, uh, I, I finished it uh, this time in 134 hours. So that's just uh, about five and a half days. Uh, and during this time I slept nine hours. So you, not only you're getting physically tired, yeah. but you're also getting mentally tired. Yeah, I imagine. And, and this leads you to a point that it's, it, I, I would say close to breaking point, but actually probably breaking point was a long time ago. When, when you get to those points, it really makes you question why you do these things uh, and if you really want to continue and why you want to finish. And finding the energy to do that, finding the motivation to not giving up, it's really something that makes a race like this something completely different from, from, from certainly anything else that I have uh, felt in sport. Yeah, because it's a psychological and, and physical battle at the same time. And Alex, what impact? Because of course you've talked about we've talked about the the three different parts of life, work, family, and also personal individual self. Um, but we know they're that they're not separate, they're kind of interrelated. What impact have the physical activities, the running that you do, have had on your business career, if any? I mean, eventually, when whenever you dedicate a lot of time to to something, it's obviously you you learn new things and and you you start to find ways of integrating what you learn in other parts of your of your life. Uh, mm-hmm. So, in, in this case, uh, obviously, between success in sport and success in business, there are uh, often very very many parallelisms and these are areas that. Uh, that uh, many people in in books and in motivational speeches have always looked for similarities and for inspiration. You know, I think in in my case, there's always the feeling that 
that if I've been able to finish Thor, there's nothing else that can uh, that I cannot do. You know, yeah. so it gives you a sense of really being able to achieve anything. But more important than that, uh, I would say is that when you move yourself in a family in a familiar territory, uh, it's quite easy. Uh, uh, mm-hmm. So it's quite easy to wing it. Uh, you can don't need to prepare so hard. You just uh, pull a few tricks here and there, and it's relatively easy to get by. But when you push yourself to the limits, when you really try to achieve something that seems to impossible, or at least impossible at the beginning, it requires five things, five ingredients, five qualities. I would say that uh, that are the same, and for me, are the same between sport or uh, and and business. The first one is really a dream or a vision. What is your reason for wanting to to do this or wanting to to achieve? The second one is to to decide what are the things that you're going to need to learn and the things that you're going to need to prepare, the skills that you're going to need to acquire in order to have a chance at being successful. The third one is to provide yourself with a plan, Mm -hmm. a guide of how you're going to progress there. This has been an area which for me has been very important. I, I traditionally have not spent a lot of time in planning and I had to really spend a lot of this, a lot of planning time mm-hmm. for my training programs. And this, I say, is more of a guide eh? because it needs to be rigid enough to keep you focused, but at the same time flexible enough to change when the environment around you changes. The fourth one is to surround yourself with a passionate team that shares the dream. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's not necessarily your dream. They share their dream because it's also their dream. So it's the dream yeah. of the team. And last but certainly not least is being able to never give up. And in a way, if the previous four, if you do have that dream, if you've gained the skills, if you, if you have a plan, if you have a team around you, it will be harder to give up. But stay focused when things go well and be ready to improvise when they go wrong, because they will go wrong. In a way, running, and in specifically Tour de Géant, because that's uh, uh, the biggest thing I have done in running, it has strengthened for me the belief that I have on how important all of these factors are for success. Mm-hmm. Um, personally, I never really had the ambition to run a 340-kilometer race. It's not something that I thought I would do all of my life growing up. But once I decided to go for it, it's a little bit like Master Yoda, right? Do or do not, there is no try. Absolutely. And finally, today we hear quite a lot about how millennials and Gen Z demand a work, better work-life balance or integration. Do you think that companies have to adapt to these demands, um, like flexible working, etc.? Or will successful executives still be adapt to the way that companies have been let's say, more traditionally run? Well, this is a, it's a very interesting area because, I mean, obviously we are going through, through perhaps a, through, a, through a time, we've been going over the last few years through a time when a new generation has been coming through. Uh, and perhaps what we are living through with the millennials is not very different from when other generations have been uh, knocking at the table. At similar times, that there has been a significant change in the environment in which they live, and in yeah, this case, sure. technological one, right? But I, I would go even further because we tend to talk about companies as kind of like 
metaphysical entities that exist <laughs> uh, and they, they don't have a face, they don't have a soul, right? But at the end of the day, companies are made up of people and they are shaped by people. And uh, as such, companies will always over time evolve to represent the realities of these people and of the society they, they live in. Today in the West, and, and, I, and I think it's important to hear to make cultural differences because when we go to, to other areas of the world, they don't necessarily have the same attitudes to, to being in the workplace, or at least they don't have the same ones that we have now today. The levels of well-being are very advanced. The context, even, even in the context of the economic crisis, you know, I mean, but, um, and people, as a result of that, they value much more the, the free time or the personal time and the way we work, and they want to feel changes in, uh, in those respects. I often feel that technology, if we, if we use it properly, should allow us to do that. Mm-hmm. It should allow us to engage in more activities with a higher level of dedication of success beyond what we do in the workday. Okay. I think there's a lot of talk around should workday should be shorter, should we should uh, should work weeks? Should we go to a four-day working week? And then some things that might be a little bit more trivial, like should we have ping-pong tables in meeting rooms, you know? But yeah. um, for me, the essence of it all is that if companies are able to provide more time for the, their employees or the people who make up those companies to dedicate more time to things outside of the workplace, those will be the companies that will be the most successful going forward. Because it will be those people coming back and being able to bring what they learn outside of the workplace, the new skills, the new networks, the Mm -hmm. observation of how society behaves, uh, that will be able to bring much more ideas to the table. Okay. and they will, and those will be the companies that will come up with the next things that uh, revolutionize and facilitate the world for us. So, yes, I. Do. So to answer your question, the answer is yes. But it will not be the companies that change for the people. It will be the people who will change the companies. Okay, great. Well, that's a great point to keep in mind, actually. Alex, thanks so much for joining us. I know that you have a tight schedule, so I really appreciate it. And um, thanks also to our listeners for joining us. Daniel, thank you. It's been, it's been a lot of fun. And thank you for uh, giving me this space to, to share my passion. And uh, I look forward to, uh, to continue to, to follow, uh, to follow your, your blog and your podcast. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye.